is the Multiply Church Podcast. Hope everybody is doing great today. My name is Adam and I'll be your host today on this episode of the Multiply Church Podcast, the MCP, if you will. Just totally made that up, but uh, here we go. We are back on talking more about prayer today and we are diving into this specific topic, which is this, what is up with the Lord's Prayer? What is the Lord's Prayer all about? And so we're going to be diving into Matthew 6, probably take a couple different episodes to do this. We'll see kind of how today's go, if, it, if, it's, if, it going, if it's going long. I will, uh, I will just, uh, split it into two. Uh, but today we will, I really want to answer that question. Like what is the Lord's prayer? Why should we pray it? Should we pray it? Um, what's Jesus trying to do with this prayer? That sort of thing. And I think it'll shed a lot of light on what Jesus, the son of God, second person of the Trinity, God in the flesh, what he thinks about prayer. Because what he thinks should dictate what we think about prayer. And he gives us uh, this model prayer, which we'll get to in a second, um, on on what uh, on how to pray and all, and all of that. And so, um, like I've said in the get-go, when it comes to prayer, really been impacted lately that I, I not only need to pray more and longer, but I need to have a better perspective when it comes to prayer. And so I'm, I'm praying that you guys are feeling the same way. And hopefully from our last episode, you have been encouraged to, to either uh, pray more or just change your perspective altogether when it comes to prayer. Uh, but let's dive in. Uh, the Lord's Prayer. What is the Lord's Prayer all about? Um, and I think this will be a good thing. So interesting thing about the Lord's Prayer, there's really two times it's mentioned in scripture, um, two in particular when it comes into the Gospels. Um the, the the main one that we think about is when Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. This is Matthew um, 5 through 7. And he talks about the Lord's Prayer in the middle of that in Matthew 6. Uh, but the other place that uh, the Lord's Prayer is mentioned as well is in Luke, in the Gospel of Luke. Um, and this is a question that I think we should always ask. So I want to start with this because we'll, we'll get to the Matthew 6 piece in a second. We'll really walk through what the Lord's Prayer in, piece by piece, kind of gaining some insight there. Um but this is a question that the disciples asked to Jesus in Luke chapter 11. And this is after they asked this question, he talks about the Lord's Prayer. Um, but it says this math, or in Luke 11, uh, 1, he says this. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray uh, as John taught his disciples. That is a great um, statement and question and um um, request that the disciples have towards towards Jesus. Jesus, teach us how to pray. You know, when you think about it, there's not a lot of things that are recorded in Scripture. I mean, the book of John, the Gospel of John tells us, you know, that there's um, there's many more things that Jesus did that's not recorded in Scripture, which is kind of mind blowing. If you really think about that, that there's more things to be told, like we'll have an eternity with Jesus for him to tell us all the things that he did. And then plus all the things that they, you know, he's done uh, since time began. But um, since there's such a limited amount of things that are included in, in scripture, it's very important to us to know what is included. And not many times do the disciples go to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, will you teach us how to how to uh, how to ride a bike? Or Jesus, will you teach us how to be financially stable? Or you know, Jesus, will you teach us um, how to talk well, or how to how to how to dress nicely, or how to um, how to do a budget? Like none of those things are bad in and of themselves, um, but he they specifically make a point. I'm sure they asked Jesus a lot of things, so don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they didn't. They obviously did. But Scripture is being very clear here that one of the most important things that they asked Jesus is Jesus, like I want to learn how to pray. Like, do that. Like, teach me how to pray. 
And that is such a great question, I think, that we have to ask about heart. Like, do we know what, in the ins and outs of prayer, do we know what we're doing when we're praying? And like our episode last week, um, or whenever that was, uh, the last episode we did, uh, just really laying that good foundation of what prayer is and this communi- communing with the Lord, this being with him, being in his presence, experiencing his power in prayer and all that. And so uh, I really, I really want to ask that of the Lord, like, Lord, teach me, teach me to pray, teach me to pray. Um, so Matthew six really is where we'll be um, camping out the most today. And I really want to try to get to a place that um, we can understand the Lord's prayer better and what is going on here. So maybe some things that you haven't seen before. But uh, I want to start with this. Uh, I found this quote really interesting. It's not really a quote because I'm going to summarize the quote, but um, John MacArthur was um, credited with saying this. Probably other people have said it as well. But he always made it a point to say that the Lord's Prayer shouldn't be called the Lord's Prayer. And I always thought that was interesting. And I was like, what, what does he mean by that? And I think his point is really well taken. He says, it's actually not the, a prayer that Jesus would pray. And you're like, huh, that's interesting. So why does he think that? The reason he says that is because in this prayer, it says to forgive us our debts. And Jesus never once sinned. And so Jesus is never going to pray this prayer to the Father saying, God, forgive my debts because he has none. And so this really is, um, I, I know historically why we call it the Lord's Prayer, because obviously it's the prayer that Jesus has given us, but it's not something that he would pray. And I think that's a good thing to be reminded of is that um, the purpose of the Lord's prayer, what is the purpose of the Lord's prayer? And it's really the key of it is in verse nine, right away in the beginning, when Jesus says to pray then like this. Now, do I think it's bad to pray the Lord's prayer verbatim and to pray that consistently or as a sense of tradition? I got to think that's bad. No. And I think that's good. I think we should. It's always good to be praying scripture back to God. It's always good to be, to be, to using, to use this prayer. However, I think what we can do is we can fall into a trap that I think is unhealthy. And that's to say things um, out of tradition and in rote memory without any emotion behind it. We, and it's just us saying words to God and there's no felt emotion to it. Like I mentioned last time is that prayer is not just moving your lips, it's tuning your heart. Like that is what prayer is. And so if you're just saying words on a page to God and not having any sort of soul attachment to it, then there's no point to it. And as we'll see, like that's kind of the big thing that Jesus is going to hit on is that he's talking about some really significant things in this passage. And so um, I think that's the first thing we need to see is that the, the reason, like what is up with the Lord's Prayer? The reason Jesus gives us this prayer is to give us a model. That's what he's doing. He's saying, pray then like this. Is he saying to pray this? Sure, I think it's fine too. I think it's fine too. But he's giving us a model um, and a a, um, a rubric, if you will, um, of, of how we need to pray. And there are some specifics on what we can actually pray for in this for sure. But like, um, he's not saying that every single prayer that you pray has to be this. He's not saying he said, but he is saying is everything that's in this prayer needs to be in your prayers, if that if that makes sense, or at least in in your prayer life, in in your prayers. So I think it's the first thing we got to see right away. Um, so if you're a part of a church that prays this regularly, it's not a bad thing. Not, don't hear me. Don't hear me out. Or hear me out here. I, I think I do think you have to question your heart a little bit and say, okay, why am I praying this? Is this just because it's a sense of tradition and a sense of just nostalgia, and this is what we do? Um, and if that's just the case, then it's kind of meaningless. Um, it just is. And so I think we have to just take a step back and just ask really what the Lord's Prayer is doing. Okay, so that's the first thing. Uh, let's dive in. Pray then like this. 
our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. All right, we'll we'll stop here. We'll kind of chunk chunk our way through this. Um, so some insights quickly on this. One thing first is um, that I noticed and was um, really as I was reading through commentaries on this was a, a guy who said, notice the hour here. This is a collective hour, which I thought was really good. And he was just emphasizing the, the idea of corporate prayer, which we'll get to in a couple episodes later down the road. But he, he was emphasizing like, this is, this is a corporate prayer. This is a prayer you pray together. And um, he's not just your father. He's not just my father. He's our father collectively. So I thought that was a really good insight. But let's, let's get to the meat of it. Like, what is, like, what is this first line trying to communicate? Well, what I shared in the message that I gave around this passage, um, I tried to communicate that there's kind of two things happening, I think, um, at least with the character of God and who God is in this passage or at least in this first line, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed, hallowed, however you want to say it, KJV guys out there, right? Hallowed be your name. Um, thy father, all this stuff, you know, hallowed be thy name. Um, I, I'll do an, I, I've done an episode on uh, Bible translations before. Maybe I'll revisit it again, but um, we know a lot of these passages by just the King James version of it. So it's just funny. The two things that I think you need to draw away from this first section is two elements to who God is. First, I think this communicates God's transcendence. Transcendence, big word, big $10 word. What does transcendence mean? The idea of transcendence is that God is other. He is different. He is unique. He is set apart. That is, I think, what we see here in this passage, um, is that he is unique. He is not like humanity. He, he transcends earthly temporal things. He's outside of time and he's outside of us. And I think we get that in the phrase, our father in heaven our father in heaven, right? Like he's not just our father on earth. He's not just our father, but he's our father in heaven. And so I think it's first communicating this idea that like God is in heaven. He's in heaven above Deuteronomy 4. He's in heaven above and we are on the earth beneath. There is no other there. So there's this idea that God is, is different. And so when you're addressing God in prayer, I think the first thing you have to realize is that you're not just addressing your pal, even though God calls us friend. Jesus calls us friend. We are no longer servants. We are, we are, we're deemed friends. It's true. But God is our Father in heaven, so you are you are not addressing just um, your pal in a sense or somebody you can just casually. You're addressing the God of all creation, who transcends time, who transcends everything, who is uh, pure and holy, who has no limitations. And frankly, do you want to pray to a God that's got limitations? No. Do you want to pray to a God who is bound by time? Absolutely not. And so when I pray this first part or this model of this, like our father, my father in heaven, like that's, that's signifying not only to my heart, but to others that like, I have, I, I am praying to a God who is unlike the things on this earth. He is transcendent. Um, he is transcendent. I think you also get that in a little bit in the whole how would be your name, which we'll get to that in, in a second of what uh, really what that that word uh, means. Like what is what is how would mean? But the second thing I think we need to walk away with here in this first quick section is that God is also imminent. So it's the idea of transcendence and eminence, eminence with an I. Um, and what does that mean? Eminence is the idea that God is near and he is close and he's with us. 
Um, there's no more perfect example of God's eminence than the person of Jesus Christ. God in the flesh, veiled in flesh, right? Uh, the Godhead see, right? Like that is like, he is, he is, uh, he's with us. He's near. There's no other perfect example than, than Jesus. Um, but I think we see that in the phrase, our father. Um, and so here, track with me here. Yes, he's our father in heaven. He is other. He's in heaven. He's out. He's outside of us. He sits in heaven, our father, but he's also our father, like emphasize the word father. He's not, um, he's not a distant relative. He's not a second cousin you've met once. He's not, um, some random stranger. He is our father. So he is relationally connected to us. And so when you pray a, a prayer like that, our father in heaven, it's both recognizing God. Yes, you are so above me. You are so pure and you're so holy and you're so different and unique, powerful, mighty, the, the list goes on and on, but you are also my father. You are our father. And, and I only have that ability because Jesus has came and he has died on the cross and rose again and, ha and has restored that relationship uh, fr from from the Father to, to us. And so it's both this idea that he is this personal God, this God who is like connected to me, like I am united to Christ. Like it's both that and his transcendence. And so I think you see like some really impactful things just by the small phrases of our father in heaven. Like, let's not gloss over these words. Um, you have such a unique ability to enter into the throne room of God. Many of the Puritans and older um, famous historian scholars in the past have said it that way, that you enter into the presence of God. You enter into the throne room of God when you pray. And so understand the gravity and the weight of that. Yes, the man, you step into the, the holy of holies, right? I think one of the reasons why we get this beautiful picture in the Old Testament of going into the temple, going into the holy of holies, like you are entering into uh, who God is, but you're also invited in, right? The veil has been torn because you have a relationship with Christ. You can now enter into his presence through prayer that we have direct access, that we do not need an intermediary. We don't need anybody to go between us. We don't need a priest to go between us. We don't need, we don't need to go, you know, ha have some other lifeline to get us to God. Like we have direct access to God because of Jesus. And so he's both eminent and transcendent, both far off and near. And that's the beauty of our God. And he's our God. He's ours. He's, he's mine. And there's so much beauty in that. So that's the first thing you got to see. I think when you're praying is, is this idea that you have to, you have to understand who you're praying to and the, the, um, the gravity, the weight, the significance of and value that you have when you when you come to Christ, like you, like like that is that is an incredible opportunity that you have when you step into uh, to pray to the Lord. So that's the very first thing I think we need to see just right off the gate. Now the the big word that everybody wants to use here is the word hallowed. What does that mean, right? Like we throw that word around and maybe not a lot of us know what we're talking about. Like how would be, how would be your name? Like what's he talking about? Uh, hallowed is a word that simply means holy or set apart. It's the word that, um, if I remember correctly, like we get the word like kind of like sanctified, like um, that sort of thing. Um, but in the context that we find ourselves, when it's attached to God, it's it's meaning holy. It's meaning perfection, set apart, pure. Um, 
I think that's what the simplest definition you can give. And so when you when you say something like, God, hallowed be your name, what Jesus is telling us is, is this. Like when you pray, you need to recognize that, that God is holy. God is pure. Like you are exalted. You are um you are unique. You are perfect. You are beautiful. You are wonderful. Like the the, the list of adjectives can can go on and on here. And I think oftentimes we we don't recognize this when we pray. Now, I don't think it's bad to pray casual prayers. I don't think it's bad to just say, um, what's on your mind? Well, definitely, that's true. We need to do that. Um, but I think we have to also realize that God is pure and he's holy and he does not tolerate sin or wickedness or evil. And so when Jesus is saying, like, you need to recognize who you're praying to and his name is worthy, his name is is wonderful, right? It, it, it's pure. It's holy. Um, we need to approach God in that manner. We, we need to approach God as someone who is both full of love and full of wrath, someone who is both full of kindness and also who can judge at any moment. And so we need to approach God like that, not fearful in a sense of like, oh my gosh, God's going to strike me down if I, if I say a bad word or if I cut somebody off or whatever. Like, uh, we need to know that if we are in Christ, all of our sins are paid past, present, and future. Um, we do that, but we also need to have this awe and respect and, and wonder at who God is, right? So what Proverbs says, you know, the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord, right? The fear of this, of fear of the Lord, this awe and wonder. Um, and I've used the analogy before, and I think probably on this podcast, is that when I think about the, the wonder and awe and holiness of God, I think about a fire. I think about a fire, how you can like, you, you, you're drawn to it. There's something beautiful and majestic about a fire. But at the same time, you realize that that fire is so powerful and can overtake you at any moment. If one wind blows this way or that way, that fire can can overcome something. It's hot. It exudes um, its presence. You, you, you can feel its presence. And so not that I'm saying we need to be fearful and afraid of God, like we're afraid to touch a fire, but we need to realize that he is an all-consuming fire, right? Like he, he is someone who is, who, who is all powerful and perfect, but he's also somebody who, who is, is we're drawn to and he, he's holy and he's pure and so I've always used that. And that's not a perfect analogy, but I always use that to kind of understand this idea of awe and reverence. Like you're in awe of something beautiful, but at the same time, like you recognize, man, you are not like that thing or not like that person. And in particular here, you are not like God. Um, and so both transcendence, eminence, it, it, all, it all works together. So I think we see those, those few things right away in the Lord's prayer. And so I think next time when you pray, you know, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Or when you see that come across, like, how is that being injected into your prayer life? Well, here's my encouragement to you. I think it's this. I think we need to make our prayers more vertical. I think we need to make our prayers more vertical. You say, Adam, okay, what does that mean? Do I need to look up more? Well, maybe. Um, that's not what I'm meaning, but when I say we need to make our prayers more vertical is that we need to first and foremost address God for who he is um, and to worship God for who he is. We need to first and foremost make it vertical. A lot of times we focus on the horizontal, our live temporary. Trust me, I was just spent time praying this morning and I focused a lot on myself and I think that's okay. It is good. We should. We're going to get to some things we in the Lord's Prayer that focuses on ourselves. However, um, whether you do it on the front end, the back end, or the middle of your prayers, we need to make our prayers vertical. It's not, God is not just, you know, it is, it's not a royal butler just handing out blessings and gifts to everybody. He's also like the God of all creation. 
who does so many good things to us and for us, let alone our salvation. Yes, but all the other things in this world that we have. And so I think you need to be encouraged to try to make your prayers more vertical, try to make them more worshipful. Um, And you say, how do I do that? Well, think about just all the things that you're thankful for. And tell that to God. God, I'm so thankful for a good sleep last night. I'm so grateful for the food that I ate this morning. I'm so grateful for my house. God, I, and the, so I think Thanksgiving is, is an important part of it. But also just like, um, just being grateful for just who he is. God, I'm so grateful that you are outside of time, that you're in control. I'm so grateful that you know what you're doing, <laughs> that nothing it catches you by surprise. Um, I there's so many different ways you can make your prayers vertical. But I think that's the first thing. That's why this is a model, right? You don't have to pray exactly those words all the time. You can if you want to, but um, you need to make your prayer life center around who God is, what he's done for you. He's your father. You're approaching him. He's holy. He's pure. But he's allowed you to enter into his presence because of the blood of Christ. And you get to ask for the things that are going to be listed in just a minute. You get to ask, give us, a, give us this day our daily bread because he's your father. So that's why I'm going to spend a good chunk of this time, and I probably am going to end it, end our podcast, this episode with with just this first line, because I think it's jam-packed with stuff. Um, I think you first got to realize, like, yeah, before you can seek his bread, you need to seek who he is. And relationally is more important than the practical gifts and blessings that he gives. Right. That's what I want of my kids. I don't want my kids just to want me for who or what I'll give them. Right. Like no one is going to ask for a show later today. And I don't want him just to love me because I put on Daniel Tiger or whatever show is on. He can love me for those things. It's good. But I also want him to love me for who I am, that I'm his dad. And when he gives me a hug after his bath saying, dad, I love you. um, Like there's nothing like it. And I think the same thing is with God. When you approach God in prayer and you just look at him and say, God, I love you. That brings a smile to God's face. That brings a smile to his face. And it actually is, um, it's um, important for your soul. You've got to remind yourself, man, there is somebody above me, below me, behind me, through me, all of like that, that loves me, that cares for me. He's my father in heaven. And, um, like that is how we address God in prayer. And so that's what I really want to leave us with this on this episode. We'll, we'll jump into the rest of the Lord's prayer on the next episode. I thought I would honestly get through more. Um, I don't know why I thought I'd get through more, but we're already past 20 minutes. And so I'll, um, I'll end it with this. Um, is that when you are praying, um, just remind yourself of how good God is. He's your father in heaven. And yes, holy, 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 holy be his name. The angels will say forever. We will say forever in heaven. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. And that is what we will say at the end of time. So let's start now through our lifetime praying. Holy is our God. Holy is the lamb who was slain. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are and what you've done for us. That is what we need to be making sure we have in our prayers. All right, guys, we'll jump back into the Lord's Prayer next time on the Multiply Church podcast. 
But um, if you haven't before, you can uh, hit the subscribe button. You can post it on Facebook, tell your friends, all that sort of things. Not interested in getting a big following, but here what I am interested in is I want you guys to grow in faith and grow in knowledge of God's word. That's what I want to do. And so specifically, when I look really in depth at passages like this, I want you to walk away knowing God's word better so that you can be more equipped to go out and make it multiply more followers of Jesus in the local church, whether you're in our church or not. If you're local, we'd love to have you. All right, guys, we will see you next time on the Multiply Church Podcast.